How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Uh, welcome to the fourth episode of X Lapsed here at the Chris and Reggie channel. Uh, before we get into it, I uh, just want to uh, thank everyone who's been uh, with me for this little project. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun doing this and trying to get, uh, you know, get my legs under me in this uh, brave new X world here. And uh, from the feedback I've been receiving, um, a lot of folks are enjoying it. And uh, I can't even begin to tell you what that means to me. That uh, means a whole heck of a lot that uh, that you'd stick with me on this sort of a project, which is a little bit uh, different from what I usually do here. Um, my usual programs are... Uh, usually the comics are like secondary almost uh, to a more uh, a gushy and blustery slice of life story that I nebulously tie to a comic book. So... This has been um, a different experience for me. It's been a lot of fun, and it's been a whole lot less emotionally draining. Uh, <laughs> when I do those other shows, I sometimes come out of them feeling like I just gotten a like a mental and emotional sh- uh, shiatsu massage, you know. Where here, it's uh, more about the material, and uh, it's uh, you know it's quicker. <laughs> it doesn't uh, it doesn't take so much of a running start, but. Uh, one more time, I want to thank everyone for uh, for hanging out with this uh, little project here. Uh, doing Talking about new comics really isn't something that I do very often. Um, it's certainly not something I've done by myself very often. So, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for hanging out. Um, today, we're going to be looking at Powers of X number two. Now, this is the first of two Powers of X issues we're going to be doing in a row here uh, over the next uh, few episodes, or a couple of episodes. So uh, we'll just hop right on into it. Uh, Powers of X number two, October 2019 cover date. Story is called We Are Together, You and I. Written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by R.B. Silva and Adriano de Benediti. Benedetto, that's the word, Benedetto. Uh, Colors, Marty Gracia. Letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles. I wonder what happened to Comicraft. I feel like every X-Men comic I read back in the 90s and into the 2000s was always Comicraft somebody. Uh, design, Tom Sutton. Edits, Annalise Bisa, Jordan White, and C.B. Sabolski. This is a $5 book, $4.99 USD. Hit the racks on August 14th, 2019. Now, this one has a, uh, a less cool cover than uh, the issue of House of X we discussed uh, last episode, but... Uh, Eh, it's a cover. Uh, we we hop in here, and uh, we are during uh, we're looking at a time an era here X to the zeroth, which we know as X Men Year One. 
And we see Xavier and Mora arriving on Island M, which is Magneto's sanctuary base of operations uh, located in the Bermuda Triangle. Now, Professor X is here to try and make Magneto an offer he, you know, probably shouldn't refuse. We get some really nice, uh, like, back and forth between uh, Charles and uh, Magneto here. It's very contentious, but uh, you can see... I mean, you can see that they they, they have similar goals. They don't trust one another, and... Uh, they're even a little bit dismissive of one another. It's I, I really, really like this dynamic. Um, but underneath it all, they you know I think they realize that uh, that they may need each other to uh, to put the, to enact their disparate goals here. So they do in fact decide to put their differences aside for the betterment of mutants everywhere. But first, it's worth noting that Magneto does get a head full of Mora's uncanny lives here. So. In these memories, he can see his many, many failures, uh, and we get allusions to the trial of Magneto that happened in Uncanny X-Men 200. We also see a scene of Magneto uh, standing before a sentinel. We see him stood before Nick Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I wonder if that might be part of the Bendis run. I feel like every single issue of the Bendis run had, had S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, showing up, so maybe that happened then. Maybe it's a different thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's another uh, allusion to the trial. And also, we see his battle with the Shadow King from uh, around the tail end of the first Claremont run, probably like 270-something, uh, uncanny 270-something. So, seeing this, uh, my question here is, with all of this knowledge, so, I mean, Magneto sees everything that's yet to come, now, will these events occur, just as they did where we read them in continuity, or are these going to be just like relegated to alternate timelines that didn't come to pass uh i really don't know how i feel about this um last episode we talked a little bit about how in you know in any sort of continuity laced sort of a uh, serial there are inconvenient bits of history you know that maybe a writer of today might not appreciate having happened or may not want to have to deal with, may not want the baggage from. Uh, and we also talked about how easy it is nowadays just to wipe the slate clean via, you know, whatever sort of a device. And, uh, you know, yesterday or last episode, we also talked a lot about the rules of comic storytelling, you know, it, it, my my own perception of rules here, because... In reality, there's there's no such thing as rules, but uh, the way I see it, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna write or create for a shared universe, sort of a thing that has buckets and buckets and buckets of continuity, I think it's you know it's to the betterment of the property, the franchise, the whatever to you know play the ball where it lies. And uh, this here feels like you know yet another reminder that those. Those rules that I've made up here are just from a bygone era. They just don't exist anymore. We could just, we could just say, you know, uh, a wizard did it, you know, or the devil did it, and and just wipe things out of continuity uh, as we see fit. Not a big fan of that sort of thing. Hopefully, there's more to this story than that. I I really, I really don't know at this point. I haven't. I've only made it a couple more issues deep into the story, and that was almost a year ago, or actually, maybe, yeah, around a year ago. So I don't remember a whole heck of a lot. I think the last I read might be the next issue, 
that we're going to discuss in the next episode. And uh, that really doesn't tell us a whole lot about uh, how everything's going to shake out. So I could be talking out my ass right now, or I, I might just be, you know, maybe I can see the future. I don't know. But Magneto and Professor X, they shake hands, they agree to join forces, and uh, this hops us up to X to the first, which is X-Men Year 10. Now we're back on Krakoa in what I'm going to assume is the present day, as, as the story is being told. And uh, that's basically what I've been doing up to this point, uh, that Year 10 is the now as the story's being written, or as the story's being told. Uh, we see Cyclops, and he's being shown a screen with a large sentinel-like face on it. And he's not really sure what he's looking at. Xavier and Magneto fill him in on the sitch. Now this is the Mother Mold, something that makes Master Molds. And uh, this is that uh, Sentinel Head satellite thing that we saw back in House of X number one with those Orcus people. And here we get a little bit of a, like a quick and dirty on Orcus. And uh, yeah, they're comprised of like scientists, thinkers, and grunts from the disparate acronymed Marvel groups, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D., AIM, HAMMER, all that stuff. Uh, all those things that usually put me to sleep. Now, they've banded together in order to, well, shut the mutants down. And uh, this is all confirmed via the data that Mystique and company swiped from damage control, also back in House of X number one. Now, initially, Cyclops doesn't see this as being all that different a threat from the other, you know, countless other times that they've faced off with anti-mutant coalitions and sentiment and groups. That is, until it's revealed that this might just be the genesis of Nimrod. So now, it's getting real. Xavier and Magneto give the order that this Orcus group must be stopped. Cyclops asks one more time, one last time, if this is something that needs doing. And when he receives the thumbs up, it's game on. It's gonna happen. From here, we jump to X to the second power. This is X-Men Year 100. And it's here that we get to meet that old man that Wolverine alluded to back in Powers of X number one. Now, the leader of this group of future X-Men is Apocalypse. Rasputin IV and Cardinal hand over what they procured in their last mission, which is Data. Or it's an indexing machine, actually, but we'll, we'll get more to that in a little bit. First, though, we hop over to the Tower of Nimrod, where we see our Marshmallow Man fry a pair of his rather lazy, aloof, and sarcastic followers. And looking at Nimrod, I can't shake the feeling that he, he just looks a lot like something you'd find in an Easter basket, right? I mean, just the, the colors, he looks very, very soft. He looks like, you know, like a marshmallow peep of some sort. Anyway, uh, Nimrod is able to replay what the mutants were up to on a monitor and wonders what, might have been, what they might have been waiting for all this time. From here, we return to Asteroid K, I think. A swamp thing, which is really Krakoa in the body of, quote, a mutant who could communicate with anything, so I'm going to assume Doug Ramsey, is attempting to decrypt the data or indexer to deduce the location of Nimrod. Now, it's worth noting, we get a bit of insight on Nimrod's archives. Uh, apparently, everything that happens, every action, every behavior is recorded, which makes it rather difficult to winnow your search results down to anything that's, you know, usable. The example they give here is pretty cool. They say, even if they knew a particular day for which to search, the, resu the results would yield billions of actions. And I think that's, that's pretty interesting food for thought. And it kind of makes you wonder where we might be headed, like, in the real world. I mean, there are, there are people on social media right this moment who are letting the world know they have to use the restroom. 
You know, they tell, they talk, every time they have to go to the bathroom, they take a picture of every plate of food they eat. We're, we're becoming <laughs> this archival uh, uh, species here where everything is logged and everything is seen. It's, it's interesting. I, I might just be reading too much into it, like I, like I tend to do. Now, Wolverine reminds the team that this is going to be a difficult mission without Percival, who we learn had the ability to make them invisible to machines. Now, Apocalypse ain't shaken in the slightest, you see, as he's decided that he will be leading his X-Men into battle. So, he's not hes not worried. From here, we get a two-page info dealie on Nimbus, which we're going to learn a little bit more about right about now. But first, we hop to X to the third, or actually, in, in conjunction, we head to X to the third, which is, of course, X-Men Year 1000. We rejoin the librarian and their Skeets-like buddy, and we find out, or I find out, maybe they mentioned it before and I just missed it, but Skeets is actually Nimrod the Greater. Okie dokie, I mean, they have very similar faces, so, or actually all he is is a face. Um, so Nimbus. Now Nimbus is a collective intelligence which was converted from the gas giant planet Nibiru, or Nibiru. According to our info page, Nimbus, quote, achieved world mind status 10 years after impact, and uh, I tell you what, if I could sum up my preconception about Jonathan Hickman's writing in one sentence, that might be it. Achieved world mind status. High concept, no impact. Uh, and at this point, I'm kind of just glazing over. I, I, I have a hard enough time relating to these far-flung futures to begin with, and when we bring words like world mind into it, I'm done. <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully I'll come around to it, but this just feels like, um, you know, just, I don't know, an attempt to, to show that your story is more than just a comic book story to me. Uh, and, and again, I might be projecting. Then, we're still in the year 1000, or 1000 years later, uh, the Phalanx show up, and uh, they have apparently eaten the world mind that was Nimbus. And they're here on Earth to answer the call of the librarian. So when asked what the librarian wanted, the librarian says ascension, which I can only assume is maybe being absorbed into the Phalanx Collective? I don't know. What follows are three more info pages, which... I mean, this is a $5 book. And, uh, you know, show, don't tell. Because <laughs> this is where the book wraps up here, and seven... Pages of this were spent on credits and info dumps because for whatever reason we get two pages of credits which are wholly unnecessary, and then we get five pages of these uh, of these info pages, which I mean if you're reading this in collected edition or in hardcover or whatever omnibus if they have one, you may not feel it as hard. But when uh, I'm doing what I'm doing here is I'm reading one issue a day, so. I'm not reading ahead because I don't want to temper what I'm, how I'm delivering this information per episode. And I tell you, these pages, they are, there's too many of them. There's too many of them, and they are grating, and uh, for the most part, they're incredibly dull. Uh, it takes me out of it. Um, and again, this is a $5 book. So I didn't buy this at the time. <clears throat> I bought this... Uh, I mentioned during a Black Friday sale where I got every single issue for a dollar. So it's hard for me to get too mad, but I couldn't imagine had I driven to the comic shop every Wednesday and paid, 
uh, at least five dollars for this because uh, the first two issues were six bucks, and uh, I don't know what the last couple of issues are. Those might be six bucks as well. So that's a lot of money you're spending, and uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's uh, it does a little bit of a disservice to the weekly reader, um, only looking toward the future and collected editions, and uh, which I mean. That's a rant I can go off on for a very long time, but, and I won't. Because <laughs> uh, it really doesn't have much of a place here. But that's the issue. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit less to describe than the last uh, three. Because I, I feel like we're getting to the meat of the story here. We're getting to the action parts here eventually. Uh, the world, for the most part, feels built. So that's good. Um, questions are being answered. And, uh, you know, when we started Powers of X number one and we got to the X-Men of the year 100, I was ready to check out. I made that clear that I can't relate to these characters, I don't care about these characters, and uh, I checked out, which uh, was unfair, because uh, uh, Hickman's done a really good job of getting me to care about these characters in very short time. I mean, we don't really get a whole lot from them, but... I feel invested in their uh, in their mission, and I'm I'm more just interested to see how it goes, um, which I couldn't say a couple of issues ago. But here we're good. Year one thousand, I could not care less. <laughs> Still, hopefully I'll come around to that before long. I mean, I did come around to one hundred, so maybe I'll come around to one thousand. But it really just feels like a like a pointless Legion of Superhero story arc, and uh, to me, pretty much every. Legion story is pointless, so there's that. Um, also, by no fault of the story, the phalanx are a pretty tough sell for me, even when they're used in present day. Uh, they're a concept that I feel only worked once, the first time, during the original phalanx covenant. Everything after that, you know, the law of diminishing returns, just... Ah, they're just... they're just dull. Um... I mean, um, and even thinking about it here, the Phalanx Covenant, when, we're, when we shake all this out, that might not have ever even happened at, you know, at this point, because who knows what timelines are going to work, what timelines are going to be real, what's going to be canon, what's going to be alternate, who knows. Um, you know, it is what it is, I guess. We'll, we'll play with that as we, as we continue along, uh, and not worry too much about it until we get there. Uh, where I felt this issue was strongest was the opening handful of pages, which take place in the present and the not-too-distant past. Uh, I'm still waiting for Mora to make an appearance in, you know, present day or year 10 or whatever. Though I'm guessing that's a reveal we're, we're probably going to have to build toward. Um, I am really uncomfortable with the possibility that, uh, you know, in the old Marvel fashion, I'm going to learn that everything I ever knew about the X-Men was wrong. Uh, I mean, right here we see a seminal X moment, like uh, the trial of Magneto, which is now revealed to the man himself before it happens, which may make it not come to pass. Or, I mean, for all I know, it might be the the thing that makes it happen uh, in this uh, in this story. I, I couldn't tell you, or even if it's ever addressed again. Who knows? It might just be an Easter egg for uh, for you know those in the know. But I really. I'm a little bit uh, trepidatious about what this might mean for uh, continuity going forward here. How many inconvenient bits of history are going to be, you know, uh, jettisoned from from the canon? 
and I don't know because and I mentioned this uh, either yesterday that maybe it was the first maybe it was the first episode where we found out that uh, the X Men of the current day is year ten, and I feel like we have a whole lot of story to fit into ten years. So maybe this is a way of removing some of those stories to make it fit better. I don't know. I, I this just feels like a like, I don't want to say a lazy device because it, it's clever. But it's just another reminder that uh, the rules don't apply anymore. And uh, I don't want to say something like nothing sacred because this is just a comic book story. But uh, you get the feeling that, uh, or I get the feeling, I could be completely wrong, that uh, a lot of the stories that I grew up really appreciating and loving and which informed the way I view this property are about to you know, get the old dirt nap or are about to be relegated to Earth something or another, you know, or his timeline something or another. Not too sure how I feel about that. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of sure how I feel about that, but I'm trying to reserve judgment. Because uh, for all I know, uh, in, you know, eight episodes from now, I could be hooting and hollering that this is the greatest thing ever to happen to the X-Men. So I, I reserve the right to be absolutely wrong. Uh, now... On the other hand, it was great seeing Cyclops, you know, as a good guy again. It feels like the Marvel Brain Trust spent the last decade reportedly kicking this character in the crotch. Uh, He was more or less made into, like, the poster child for everything that people who don't like about the X-Men don't like about the X-Men, you know? I feel like, and this is me projecting again, I feel like the the people who were writing X-Men didn't like Cyclops. Um... And just used... It took out, like, all their frustrations on him, made him just a loon. Uh, and they also gave him that awful ex-cowl, which thankfully is gone. <laughs> He's back to looking more like himself. Uh, I do prefer the uh, the Jim Lee uh, design from X-Men number one. Uh, and also the uh, the Protasio uh, tail end of X-Factor run, where he had his hair show. And I, that's my favorite look of Cyclops, so... Maybe one of these days we'll get back there, but I think um, getting rid of the ex-cowl is definitely a step in the right direction, and uh, I'm happy to see it. And I'm happy to see him as, you know, not being depicted as a as a crazy person, which, I mean, last I read, um, he was. He was, you know, waging war with the Inhumans, and I, I killed Professor X during the Avengers vs. X-Men event. It was... Uh, not a good time to be a, a Cyclops fan. Cyclops is uh, is my favorite guy. He's my favorite X-Men. X-Man, I guess. Um, and it's been a real rough road <laughs> for fans of that character. Um, let's talk about Apocalypse. Apocalypse as a good guy. It's kind of weird. Um, but not completely out of character. Uh, I remember during the Executioner song, which was very, very early in my fandom... Uh, we got this more um, multi-layered uh, shade of gray sort of apocalypse where you know he was sort of he was kind of in it for himself. He wasn't inherently good or evil, uh, so he would he would side with the X Men in certain situations. He would go against them in others. I I, I, I guess I can kind of dig that. Um, now I've read a couple of the Dawn of X books uh, as they were coming out early on in the uh, the launch. And I was pretty surprised at the outset to see Apocalypse as part of, I want to say Excalibur. It might be the Excalibur series that he was a part of. Because I think it was like him, uh, Rogue, Gambit, 
and uh, Psylocke as Captain Britain, I think. Um, it's been it's been about a year since I've read it, so I could be mistaken. And I'm not sure if the team was ever called Excalibur. I, I didn't get far enough in it. Um, I was pretty put off by that when I saw Apocalypse as uh, you know just a, a rank and file character in the in the group. And uh, I guess I'm willing to give it a chance here to see how it works out. Uh, I mean, we are dealing with a possible future. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get a lot more filled in about, uh, you know, Mora's time and her, her lifetimes and how she did work with Apocalypse. We'll see if maybe that kind of resonates or, or relates to what we have here. Uh, it makes me wonder, though, um, if all the X-Men's, like, heaviest-hitting bad guys are now part of the team, because I think, like, Sinister is there, Magneto is there, uh, Apocalypse is there, who's going to be left to fight? Um, it's... I mean, it, are we going to get new characters? <laughs> are we going to get new villains? Probably not. I mean, they don't do that anymore. Uh, is this just going to be... Uh, is Hickman just going to introduce some, like, nebulous and terribly dull antlered aliens like during the Avengers run? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I avoid uh, solicits. I avoid spoilers. I don't read reviews. I make very limited... Uh, visits to the Marvel Wiki because I'm afraid of spoilers. Um, I feel like reviews nowadays are—they're basically just synopsises with the date October 10th at the bottom, which is to say 10 out of 10. Um, so I really don't visit review sites all that much anymore because I want to read these things and I want to give everybody my fresh impression of them without uh, tempering of. Uh, of a review So that's pretty much where we're at With our fourth chapter here We're a third of the way through The Hox Pox deal And uh, so far so good I have a few reservations That I've, you know, expanded on here But I'm coming out of this so far uh, A third of the way in uh, Thinking we're looking at a net positive um, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes uh, we still have a long way to go on this year 1000 thing Because I really don't care about it I would like to see less info pages But I don't think that's going to happen um, And uh, I guess we'll just take it one chapter at a time And we'll see how this goes uh, I look forward to hearing from you all uh, Actually, you know, while I have you One thing I'd like to ask is to to folks who were reading the X-Men before this run started Which I think, I want to say that was probably that Age of X-Men thing I I think, maybe, maybe not, I don't know Were there any hints that we were going in this new direction inside the story? Or, when you picked up House of X number 1 Was it just as much of a shock to the system to you as it was to me being a lapsed reader? I mean, were there any hints that we were going in this new direction, or did it just get sprung upon you, or sprung upon us? That's something I'd like to learn about, I'd like to figure that out, and if you know, and if this was something that was alluded to, or there was a lead-up to it, please tell me what I need to read to see that, uh, and I will I will procure those issues, and, uh, and maybe add a little bit of a context to what I'm reading here. Um, and if not... I mean, then I guess we're all in the same boat, or we were all in the same boat, and uh, we'll see how it all rolls out. But I think that's all I got for right now. Um, 
I want to thank you all again for hanging out and uh, allowing me to uh, kind of just run off at the mouth here, <laughs> into your ears. Um, if you want to discuss these stories with me, uh, you can reach out. I'm at Ace Comics on Twitter or WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. And uh, I think right now I'll just uh, I'll cut out and I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. So uh, till next time, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya. <laughs>